Thanks for tuning in to leftcoastnews.net, news and information from the wacky, sometimes communist, liberal west coast of the United States. For more, visit leftcoastnews.net. These bills I'm going to talk about today all have hearings tomorrow, February 14th. So there's still an opportunity for you to get on the Washington legislature's website at leg.wa.gov and look these bills up and leave comments or at least leave your pro or con. And I strongly suggest that you take a few minutes to do that and make your voice heard. All right, we're going to start off with a doozy. This is Senate Bill 5462, which you probably haven't even heard about. This is an act relating to promoting inclusive learning standards and instructional materials in public schools. Can you guess what that's going to be about? The legislature recognizes that Washington state law prohibits discrimination in public schools for certain protected classes. The legislature also acknowledges that school districts are required to adopt a policy related to the selection or removal of instructional materials. Under state rule, the instructional materials policy of each school district must establish and use appropriate screening criteria to identify and eliminate bias pertaining to protected classes. Tell me something, why is discrimination prohibited against certain protected classes? Why isn't it prohibited against everybody? Wouldn't that be inclusive? Wouldn't that be the ultimate inclusivity to just protect everybody and not call out special people all the time? The legislature intends to expand these requirements by requiring school districts to adopt policies and procedures that incorporate selecting inclusive instructional materials that include the histories, contributions, and perspectives of historically marginalized and underrepresented groups. The legislature further recognizes that state law requires the state learning standards to be periodically updated to incorporate best practices in ethnic studies. The legislature intends to build on this duty by directing the Office of the Superintendent of Public Instruction in consultation with the Washington State LGBTQ Commission to review and update relevant state learning standards to include the histories, contributions, and perspectives of LGBTQ people. The legislature believes that promoting inclusive learning standards and instructional materials will improve student achievement, attendance, parent and family engagement, and other dimensions that contribute to student success. The LGBTQ group of people is not a group, is not an ethnic group. Why are you lumping in a sexual choice into an ethnic group of people. That is not ethnicity. That is a choice people make in their personal lives. The model policy and procedure must require that the school board of directors will adopt inclusive curricula and select inclusive age-appropriate instructional materials that include the histories, contributions, and perspectives of historically marginalized and underrepresented groups, including but not limited to Native Americans and Native American tribes, 
people from various racial and ethnic backgrounds, including but not limited to African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, and Pacific Islanders, women, people from various socioeconomic statuses, people from various religious backgrounds, immigrants and refugees, people with disabilities, people who are neurodiverse, people who are English learners or use sign language, and LGBTQ, LGBTQ people as defined in RCW 43. By October 1st, 2025, school districts must amend the policies and procedures that are required under RCW 28A320230 to incorporate all the elements described in the section. For the purposes of this section, inclusive means curricula and instructional materials that create and sustain a sense of respect, belonging, safety, and attention to individual needs and backgrounds that ensure the full access to engagement and participation in available activities and opportunities. Quite frankly, this is unnecessary because at schools, all kids are included. There may be a teacher here or there doing something on their own that they shouldn't be, just like any job classification where you have some bad apples, but 99.99% of schools and teachers already are inclusive to all these kids. Now, I have no problem with teaching history and perspectives and stories about these ethnic groups, people that make up the American people, African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, women, socioeconomic status, religious backgrounds, immigrants and refugees, disabilities, neurodiverse. I mean, these aren't ethnicities, though. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. But as far as it goes about talking about people's sexual preferences... That is your own business. That doesn't belong in school. I don't know how many times we have to talk about this. We don't need to be stuffing this crap down our kids' throats. But that is exactly what the legislature wants to do, and they want to order the schools to do it. This bill goes on to order school boards and board of directors and the superintendent... to report annually to the superintendent of public instruction the following for each employee group listed in the subsection, which is classified staff, certified personnel, administrative staff, and for all programs constituting a part of such district's curriculum, that they will have an evaluation of criteria and rubrics, a description of each rating, and a number of staff in each rating. Determine the final assignment of staff certi certified or classified according to board enumerated classroom and program needs and data based upon a plan to ensure that the assignment policy supports the learning needs of all the students in the district and gives specific attention to high-need schools and classrooms. And of course, to adopt the curricula consistent with law that they talked about in section two of this bill, which I had just read. 
And it goes on to say evaluating teaching materials, textbooks, teaching aids, handouts, or other printed material in public hearing upon complaint by parents, guardians, or custodians of students who consider dissemination of such material to students objectionable. Oh, so they're going to listen? Somehow I doubt it, because they're going to continue to put this in no matter what. This is required by law. So even though it says that every board of directors, unless otherwise specifically provided by law, shall prepare, negotiate, set forth in writing, and adopt policy relative to the selection or deletion of instructional materials, such policy shall state the school district's goals and principles relative to instructional materials, include all the elements of the model policy and procedure described in Section 2, which I read. They have a clause here that they've deleted a bunch out of, which is about establishing an instructional materials committee to be appointed with the approval of the school board by the school district's chief administration officer. Guess what they deleted out of that? The committee may include parents at the school board's discretion, provided that parent members shall make up less than one half of the total membership of the committee. Provide for reasonable notice to parents of the opportunity to serve on the committee and for terms of office for members of the Instructional Materials Committee. That has been removed. Now they have to provide a system for receiving, considering, and acting upon written complaints regarding instructional materials used by the school district. Okay. Yeah, they'll take your complaint and they won't do anything with it. Goes on to say that local school district's board of directors must determine that the Instructional Materials Committee that they have currently now, made recommendations in accordance with district policy adopted under subsection 1 of this section before approving the recommendation. Which means, if you don't approve of the LGBTQ instructional material, it won't matter because that's part of the law and will be required to be there. So you won't be able to remove that. Charter schools will also be subject to these rules. So if you thought you were going to put your kid into a basically a private school to get out of this, wrong. This goes on to say that each ESD must designate a regional inclusive curricula coordinator and their duties are helping school districts implement these rules, model policy and procedure on inclusive curricula and ensure that diversity, equity and inclusion are interwoven throughout curricula and not treated as standalone topics, facilitating school district use of bias screening tool to review instructional materials, serving as a resource to instructional materials committees established by school districts within the ESD, supporting professional development efforts regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion, including required professional learning days, and helping school districts improve school and classroom culture and climate using inclusive instructional materials. Each ESD must also establish a regional youth advisory council for inclusive curricula and equity, including advisory council, inclusive advisory council. The purpose of the inclusive advisory councils is to advise and inform the work of school districts to the OSPI. Each advisory council is required to distribute an annual survey to students to assess student access to inclusive instructional materials and coordinate with the Legislative Youth Advisory Council, the Washington State Leadership Board, student representatives on school boards, and any other relevant student or youth councils or groups that include student representation. 
Each inclusive advisory council must consist of at least one student representative from each school district within the ESD, and students may be selected to serve on an inclusive advisory council by staff recommendation, application, or interview. The inclusive advisory councils must consist of students with diverse backgrounds, which means not white people, including backgrounds that include diversity as it relates to sex, race, religion, national origin, connection with the military, sexual orientation, gender expression or identity, disability, socioeconomic status, and involvement in the community. Please, this is not what school is for. School is to learn English, math, history, reading. That's what school is for. It's not for all this other trash that we have put into schools. These kids are going to be so unprepared for the real world when they leave school because this is not what is important or how the real world functions when you get a job. And not only that, this is going to put a whole nother layer or two or three on schools that will have state control in one form or another telling your school districts what instructional material they are going to give to your kids. Instead of the school boards of these areas, of whatever area you live in, deciding what's best for the kids who live in what area you're in and what, whatever your community believes, the state is going to decide. These boards are going to decide. These people and their sexual orientation are going to decide. Sexual orientation is not ethnicity. Ethnicity is one thing that should be taught. All those things should be taught. But your sexual orientation is not, does not belong in school. Your gender expression or identity does not belong in school. This is a terrible bill, and it needs to be shot down. So please go to the legislature's website and leave your con, at least your con opinion, or leave some statements. You can still sign up to testify or even just leave your testimony in an email form, but please take the time to do it. This is wrong. Our kids have not, should not be subjected to this. There's already enough of this going on in Seattle, in Olympia, and other big cities in the state. Small towns don't need to be subjected to this garbage. The state needs to stay out of our schools as much as possible. And I just want to throw this in for this last story that I talked about. This came out last Wednesday in regards to gender identity and LGBTQ ideas. On Wednesday, last week, the American College of Pediatricians said there is no long-term evidence that mental health concerns are decreased or alleviated after gender-affirming therapy. After a reviewed more than 60 studies on the effectiveness of sex changes on minors, in a statement, the ACPEDS revealed adolescents who have a gender identity not congruent with their biological sex have an increased incidence of mental health issues, including depression and suicidal ideation. 
both before and after gender-affirming therapy, adolescents who have gender identity incongruence are at a higher risk for psychopathology than their peers who identify with their biological sex, the statement continued. Previous adverse childhood experiences may play a role in that psychopathology and needs to be explored in helping these patients. The statement noted that there are no long-term studies demonstrating benefits nor studies evaluating risks associated with the medical and surgical interventions provided to these adolescents, and that many individuals who have been treated with gender GAT later regret those interventions and seek to align their gender identity with their sex. Because of the risks of social, medical, and surgical interventions, many European countries are now cautioning against these interventions while encouraging mental health therapy, they added. The statement went on to express concern about parents and healthcare professionals who support sex changes in children. They said those who support this are contributing to increased depression by appearing to validate to the children that something is wrong with their body and biological sex. The AC PEDS have been one of the few American medical organizations that have spoken out against performing sex changes on minors. In a previous statement, they challenged the notion that puberty blockers are fully reversible. They noted that the drug Lupron has been associated with and may be the cause of many serious permanent side effects, including osteoporosis, mood disorders, seizures, cognitive impairment, and when combined with cross-sex hormones, sterility. It was revealed last year that a maker of a puberty-blocking drug funded the Dutch investigative report that resulted in the Dutch protocol being the recommended standard for treating gender-questioning adolescents starting with puberty blockers and switching to cross-sex hormones at the age of 16 years old. Imagine that. Just like in America, these drug companies buy off the freaking government so they can sell their drugs. Same thing here. Same thing happening in America. In recent years, countries like Sweden, Finland, and England have shifted away from the gender affirmation care model and backed a psychotherapeutic approach to treating young people. Hmm. Interesting. Of course, Washington State's not on board with this yet. They won't be until they've gone too far and a bunch of kids are completely screwed up. And they want to screw your kids up, too, by including this garbage in public schools, by forcing it into public schools by law. All right, moving on. Senate Bill 5982 modifies the definition of vaccine used by the Washington Vaccine Association. You know, I've talked about this one already once, but uh, it's, it's up for a hearing tomorrow, so I figured I'd bring it up again just in case you would like to say something. I think it would be important The definition of vaccine is changed to an immunization approved by the Federal Food and Drug Administration as safe and effective and recommended by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for Administration to Children under the age of 19 years. This bill contains an emergency clause and takes effect immediately. Why is this an immediate, why is this an emergency? We don't have any kind of pandemic going on right now. Why is this an emergency and needs to take effective take effect immediately? We've already seen what safe and effective means to our federal government agencies. We've seen the side effects that have occurred across the country. 
and Washington wants to just jump in bed with the CDC and the FDA and make you take whatever they decide the next time around you need to take. And they're trying to pass this law to make sure they're in line with that. This is an important update to modernize the definition and allow access to all modern vaccines. Who doesn't have access to these vaccines regardless of this? We don't need to pass we don't need to change the definition of vaccine in this state in order for you to have access to these things. WVA creates streamlined affordable access to vaccines. Well, I'm sorry, but and then it goes on to say this is staff summary of public testimony, the pro people talking. But the RSV vaccine does not fit into the current definition of vaccine for the WVA. It is important to protect children from RSV and not burden the healthcare system. Our, this is garbage because I know from personal experience taking my kids to the health department or the doctor, them wanting to give my children the RSV vaccine multiple times when I refused. So the fact that they're trying to say that you don't have access to the RSV vaccine, that's garbage. You absolutely have access to it. This is an excuse to pass this law. The fact that they specifically mention giving these vaccines to kids under the age of 19, they're all about taking control of your children, whether it's in school or medically or whatever. The state wants to have complete control over your children. They want to be making all the decisions for your kids. What's interesting in this bill under the definition vaccine, where it's originally said means a preparation of killed or attenuated living microorganisms or fraction thereof that upon administration stimulates immunity that protects against disease and is an immunization. Well, guess what they took out? They canceled all that out of it because that's not what a vaccine is anymore. It's not killed or attenuated living microorganisms. It's some other biological living thing that changes your body when it gets into it and creates a bunch of problems as we've seen previously. These new vaccines, quote unquote, are untested. They didn't spend the time like they did with vaccines in the past, you know, 10 years to develop and approve and test a vaccine before it goes out to people. 10 years. What was it? Eight months in the pandemic and now they're just going to keep cranking these suckers out? Look at all the heart problems and unexplained death that's occurred that they won't acknowledge. What happened to my body, my choice? The government needs to stay out of medical decisions. That is up to you and your doctor, and no politician should be telling you or your doctor what is best for you. That is between you and the person that went to school for eight to ten years to be a doctor, not some idiot politician who hasn't done anything with their life except make up a bunch of stupid laws and sit behind a desk. This is the Senate bill report for ESJM 8006. It's not really a bill, but it's a petition 
to the federal government to petition them to create a universal health care program, partner with Washington State to implement a single-payer health system, or grant Washington State the appropriate waivers for the state to create a universal health care system. The State-Based Universal Health Care Act of 2021, in June of 2021, during the 117th Congress, Representative Ro Khanna introduced H.R. 3775, which establishes the option for states, this is federally, by the way, establishes the option for states or groups of states to apply to waive certain federal health insurance requirements and provide residents with health insurance benefits plans through a state-administrated program. Such programs must cover 90% of the residents in the state within five years, and plan benefits must be at least as comprehensive and affordable as the coverage under the equivalent federal program. State programs are supported with funds from the federal programs that the state programs replace, which may include Medicare, Medicaid, the Children's Health Insurance Program, the Federal Employee Health Benefits Program, certain federal tax credits, and premium assistance funds. The state program will replace that stuff. The state already offers health care for low income and kids. So tell me why that's not enough. Let's look at a state program, the Long-Term Care Act that charges us all, starting at age 18, charges us all a monthly amount And how much is the benefit when you retire? It's like $35,000. Somebody who's 18 and starts paying into that program will pay over $100,000, but they only get $35,000 of it. This is supposed to pay for you to be in long-term care when you're older. Do you have any idea how much long-term care costs right now? It's anywhere from $5,000 to $15,000 a month. That $35,000 is not going to pay for anything, any length of time that you're going to need if you go into long-term care. That is a complete waste. Plus, if you move out of state, you don't get that benefit. You lose it, even though you paid into it. You don't get any of the money back either. So people who retire and move to Arizona, nope, you don't get any of that benefit. Is this the way they're going to run a medical program? I can only imagine how Washington State would run a medical program. The state doesn't do anything efficiently or effectively. This would be no different. Imagine trying to get the state to approve surgeries or see a specialist. How long that would take. How impossible it would be to talk to somebody if you have an issue. They're going to take away your Medicare or Medicaid in replacement of this. Those are programs, while they may not be the best, they've been in place for a long time. At least they function for the most part. They work. This will be a new program with all kinds of problems and issues, and they won't be able to figure it out, and there'll be backlogs and people not doing their job like every other department in the state. It's too much. That's going to create a whole nother bureaucracy of the state on top of that that just won't be able to function. 
Not to mention, if it's a state-run program, I bet they'll be able to tell you that if you don't get these certain vaccines that they require, they're not going to treat you for anything. I bet they'll even find a way to take out of your paycheck automatically to pay for this system, too. We'll all have to pay into it because we'll all be in it because this is socialism. So those of us who work will be paying for this health care for everybody else who doesn't, just like the state likes to do. The legislature requests the federal government to create a universal health care program to ensure every resident in the state and country have timely access to health care services without incurring familial debt. Or, absent federal action, partner with the state to implement a single-payer health system by having Congress pass House Resolution 6270 or grant the state the appropriate waivers to remove restrictions on the state's ability to create a universal health care system. This is a bad idea. Just another in a long line of bad ideas. We don't need this in Washington. Washington State has a health care system for its low income and kids. There are other options for other people. We do not all need to be paying into a state-run healthcare system that will be inferior to private. This is Senate Bill Report on E2SSB 5635, which is concerning victims' rights. Provides additional rights to have the victim's safety considered in bail considerations to provide written input when the court sets a date for trial and to be informed of the offender's place of incarceration, release from confinement, and any escape. Specifies that the legislature intends to provide funding sufficient to support crime victim advocates and prosecutors in their work to ensure the rights granted to victims, survivors of victims, and witnesses of crimes are protected. This is a good bill, and this should happen. But the reason I want to bring this up and read it is because of the the bottom of these. You know, there's always a pro, con, or other uh, statement from people that support or don't support or supposedly neutral position. And I've talked about some of these people from the Washington Defenders Association who are against any victims' rights type stuff, you know, or anything about locking criminals up. So this other supposedly neutral statement. This is from uh, Jonathan Nomen Cure, Columbia, Columbia Legal Services. This bill should be more equitable. It may come into conflict with the constitutional right to a speedy trial. Who's that for? That's for the criminal folks. This bill will weaken that right. It may allow individuals who are not a party to a criminal case to push the court to move the trial date because it conflicts with their plans. Oh, I'm so sorry, criminal. You have to wait for your trial. This bill may create a conflict with current criminal court rules. There is presumption of release for every defendant not in a capital case. This may change that. Safety concerns of alleged victim is already determined with bail. Well, that's not true. That's not really true. I worked in bail bonds for 16 years. That's definitely not really true. So this guy, just the typical defense attorney a-hole. 
Codifying an alleged victim safety for bail determination serves little purpose aside from providing additional fodder for prosecutors to use in bail hearings. This language would be another tool used to further encage black and brown people. Are you effing kidding me, guy? These attorneys, these dirtbag freaking defense attorneys, who them and these Democrats in the state who it's all about criminal rights. They don't care about you as a victim. They don't care if your property was stolen, damaged, if you were assaulted, injured, killed. They don't care about any of that. They don't care if your kids are molested or sexually abused by these people. They want to turn them loose. They want them out in the community. We see it time and time again on the news where you've got these people with 40, 50, 60, 70 effing felonies who are back on the street for God knows why, to hurt you, to continue to cause chaos. And then in the meantime, they tie the hands of prosecutors, jails, and law enforcement of doing their job. They tie the hands. They make sure these people can't be locked up because they're worried about racial justice and some other bullshit social stuff. The fact remains that a crime was committed and there needs to be appropriate punishment for said crime. We're tired of dealing with these dirtbags on the street and nothing being done about it. And these idiot lawyers like Jonathan Namancour from Columbia Legal Services and David Turtweiler of Washington Defenders Association supporting BS bills like this that just hurt people or going against bills like this that would protect victims for once. Alleged victim, alleged victim. Are you tired of this yet? Are you tired of these criminals having all the rights, all the defense? Are you tired of tweakers and druggies Stealing your stuff, breaking into your homes so they can support their drug habit that's fully supported by the state, allowed by the state? Are you tired of these homeless people moving onto your property and there's nothing you can do about it? You pay all the taxes. You pay for all this crap. But you have no rights. You, they don't even want you to be able to defend yourself. They're trying to take that away too, as hard as they can. This is a bill that should definitely be passed. Thanks for listening to Left Coast News. For more, visit leftcoastnews.net. Please subscribe, like, and share to your social media. We appreciate your support.